Hi. Hello, Gavin. Hi, Louie. How are you today? That was an aggressive hi for me. I- hi. Hi. <laughs> We're friends. <laughs> Be my buddy. Um, no, absolutely not. It's over. This is a really professional relationship. <laughs> God. I believe that. <laughs> uh, we've had a tragic day. And we I'm did. Just gonna get it. Day. I'm not going to talk about it, but I just want you guys to know the state that I'm in. Mm. Nothing worries Louie. So nothing, literally. Un- he is unflappable. You can't flap me. No. But this is the Mixed Reviews. Hi, and welcome. Hi. So glad you're here. I'm Gavin. I'm Louie. And uh, we are a film podcast in which we talk about something in the film world. Sometimes it's a genre, sometimes it's an actor, sometimes it's a director. This uh, uh, episode, I'm just going to like tear the bandaid off. Do it. Uh, We're talking about Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. But before we get into him. I feel like somebody's watching me. Is that a different Rockwell? I don't know who that is. That's Rockwell. That's <laughs> You know that's Rockwell. Come on. I don't know the, ba- the, the band is Rockwell. It's a guy and he w- like paid, his father produced Michael Jackson at the time. Uh-huh. And so I believe he's, uh, 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 suddenly can't think of his name. Former husband of Diana Ross. Uh, the, oh, God, uh, that's his father. He paid Michael Jackson to do the chorus in that song. No shit. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Took well, a turn. Took so, a turn there. So, someone will listen to this episode and be like, that fucking idiot. I know exactly who it is. I'm going to write in. Wait, I'm the fucking idiot? No, me. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, probably, so, both, probably both of us. Uh, side note, before we get into our old business, by the way, uh, there is a party going on outside this door. Of, it's not a large group of people, but it's a dinner party. And mm. it's very delicious. And, mm. Louis and I just ate and we're ready for our naps. Yes. And uh, so we're recording this episode. So you might hear some stray noise. Enjoy it and feel yeah. like you're at a dinner party with it's us. A, uh, we're like delivering some ambiance. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> Drunken ambiance. Um... The Orangina. It's a little ambiance, if oh, you will. Yes, yes. love that. <laughs> uh, so before we get into Sam, though, and I do want to get into him. <laughs> uh, we basically pulled the party, and apparently everybody there does, yeah, too. Yeah, everyone wants to bang <laughs> Sam Rockwell. Uh, last episode, we talked about the Universal Monster of Year, if you will. Uh, <laughs> I will, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, Seconds, and, please. <laughs> and we asked you what your favorite uh, Universal Monster movie is, and... Brighter Frankenstein just like took it, went to town, uh-huh. and finally I got one that won again. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so Brighter Frankenstein got fifty percent of the votes. Wolfman got twenty one percent of the votes. Uh, my pick, the Black Cat, got fourteen percent of the votes, and we also had some other votes for um, Phantom of the Opera, the Silent Phantom of the Opera. Yes, yeah. uh, Dracula, and um, also Frankenstein. Uh, and I do want to, I do want to give, uh, as much as I joke about like, oh, I finally won one again. The nice thing about like putting out these polls is that, uh, there's really no losers because I think the Black Cat's like an exemplary film. So, so yeah, I no, no losers in that poll. No losers in that poll, but like one loser in this room and it's you. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> I will not lose. They fed you food. This is my house. <laughs> I know. Oh, Gavin. You treat me so well. <laughs> uh, but yes, let us get to our topic of, of the week. Our yeah. topic du jour. Sam. Sam. We love him. Rockwell. Yeah. We were like looking and deciding on this topic. We were looking at the movies coming out and essentially we picked him because he has a movie out now. Yes. Uh, it's three, three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Right. And. It's a new Martin McDonough film. Yeah, we were we were like, oh, who? Could, there, I mean, there's lots of people in this movie that we could have talked about. You yeah, know? it's shocking though because we both actually went and saw it together uh, a couple days ago, and I will admit he's the second lead. Yeah. And I, based on the trailers, I would have assumed so. It's Francis McDormand, uh, Woody Harrelson, and him. And I would have assumed Woody Harrelson was the second lead, and he's genuinely not. Nope. Um, and we love Frances. She's amazing. Um, yeah. but we thought we hadn't done like a straight white dude in a while. Yeah. And if true. we're going to have to do a straight white dude, Sam Rockwell is yeah, the one exactly. for us to go to. 
<laughs> love, love, love him. Uh, so yeah, Gavin, uh, it's your turn to do a little rewind. So why don't you tell me a story about Mr. Rockwell? Sam Rockwell was born in Daly City, California. He's the son of actors who divorced when he was five years old. He was raised by his father, Pete Rockwell, in San Francisco, which is like a pretty cool place to grow up, if you yeah, ask me. That like, kind of like t- says a lot about Sam yeah. and who he is and like being very cool and um, open minded. And Absolutely. Um, his mother, Penny Hess, lived in New York. Uh, he spent his summer vacations with her. I grew up in San Francisco, went to high school there, and then I would visit in New York in the summers with my mom. And that's how I got into acting when I was a little kid. Was your mom an actress? Yeah, she was an actress, and she sang telegrams. They dressed her up in a bellhop suit. And yeah, I don't know that people even know what that means anymore. I don't know that you can... I know, I know that's true, right? Yeah, I don't even... You they, can't really even send a telegram anymore, can yeah. you? Yeah, no, I, I don't know if you can. Yeah. She would sing telegrams live. She'd go to very scary places in the, in the late 70s, you know, uh, by herself. And she dragged me with her. She sang a telegram for Jack Lemmon once. Really? Yeah, and I think he was a little tipsy at the time but uh she'd go all over she'd go to harlem and and everywhere this yeah. was in in i don't know i guess in the in the f- 50s the 40s it was a, a a great idea for a practical joke oh we'll send off a yeah. singing telegram yeah 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 sure sure but you can't make any money at that can you well i think she did for a while but not a lot you know it's like a restaurant job or something. <laughs> yeah. You know? And, and, and what about now, speaking of money, uh, yeah. she must be thrilled, right? Oh, yeah. She's very proud, very proud. You know, and I learned a lot about acting from her. And my dad was an actor for a while, too. And- Rockwell had what the New York Times described in 1998 as the, quote, footloose upbringing. Ah, love that. Uh, and at age 10 made his brief stage debut at playing Humphrey Bogart in an East Village improv comedy sketch starring his mother. I love when I'm reading these and I feel like they're edited by the actor themselves. <laughs> like, Do you think uh, Sam Rockwell is on Wikipedia yeah. being like, um, I had a very footloose life. Exactly. He attended the San Francisco School for the Arts with Margaret Cho and Aisha Tyler, but dropped out before graduating. He later received his high school diploma after his parents enrolled him in an outward bound style alternative high school called Urban Pioneers because, as Rockwell explained, quote, I just wanted to get stoned, flirt with girls, and go to parties. Love that. I've actually heard him say that too, so that must be like his line. Yeah. Um, get stoned, flirt with girls, and party. Um, <laughs> the, the dream. I went to uh, this high school performing arts. But you got Sanford. the sickness for the improv. I got the sickness, and I, and I got trained in improv as a kid, sort of. Uh, not even knowing I was getting that training. And then, well, it was part of the theater training. It's part of the theater, and my mom, <clears throat> she won the Improv Olympics in New York, I think. They gave him a grant. It was uh, The improv troupe was called Joan Crawford's Children, and they did this show, and, and then I was in the show and stuff. I was in a like, school fame kind of school, but I didn't really take it seriously. I just chased girls. Mm-hmm. And, you know, smoke pot and stuff like that. You, <laughs> the pot. <clears throat> oh, wait. Ah, there we go. He said that the school had a reputation as a quote place stoners went because it was easy to graduate. But the program ended up helping him regain an interest in performing. After appearing in an independent film during his senior year, he graduated and moved to New York to pursue an acting career. Um, I do want to do want to give a, a brief mention. His very first film uh, is this uh, uh, movie called Clown House from 1989. It's a horror film. I highly recommend. It's very accessible. Don't watch it. 
Mm-hmm. It's directed by Victor Silva, who is a convicted pedophile, right. a child molester, and uh, he, the person, the co-star in the film, is the person he molested. Jesus Christ! Yeah. So poor Sam Rockwell is involved in this movie. So let's pretend that's not his first film, but just know it exists, and you don't need to see. I it. I thought Box of Moonlight was his first. Film. No, no, Box of Moonlight's 1997. Wow. So uh, uh, he moved to New York and trained at the William Esper Studios with teacher Terry Knickerbocker. Uh, his career slowly gathered momentum in the early 90s. He was a guest star on The Equalizer, NYPD Blue, Law and & Order, uh, and he has a very small role in the initial Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Love film. That. Yeah. Is he Raphael? Yeah, he's Raphael. <laughs> it's a very small role. Check it out, man. Anything you guys want, we got. Anything you want to do, do it. You know what I'm saying? Anything. You got any cigarettes? Regular or menthol? He also appeared as the title character in The Search for One-Eyed Jimmy. During this time, Rockwell worked in restaurants as a busboy and delivered burritos by bicycle. This is my favorite fact. I love that. At one point, Rockwell even worked as a, quote, private detective's assistant. Quote, I tailed a chick who was having an affair and took pictures for her at a motel, he told Rolling Stone in 2002. It was pretty sleazy. A well-paying Miller commercial in 1994 finally allowed him to pursue acting full-time. I found this Miller commercial. I remember seeing this play. What a happens lot. in this uh, commercial? The lady down there wants to buy you a beer. What lady? He doesn't get it. I think you know. Right. I spread the right way for more of what you want in the beer. Bread light for less of what you don't. Miller Light Ice. It's new. I knew you'd get it. As soon as he drinks the beer, he can see the the hop and bar around him. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Stupid, hate it. Yeah. Uh, the turning point in his career, in Rockwell's career, was Tom DeSillo's 1996 film Box of Moonlight, in which he played an an eccentric man child who dressed like Davy Crockett and lives in an isolated mobile home. Uh, Al, I know you're smart because you got a scientific style job, but. You're not using common sense. If this fight is fake and everybody knows it's fake, then why in the hell would anybody waste their time sitting around watching it? That's a question you might want to answer one day, Buck. I know the answer. And this is what's happening all over America now. This country's being taken over by smart people with no common sense, and that's why I'm out here, man. Just me, my instincts, and nature. That's all you need. See that moon up there? Look at that moon! Shit, you're in the city. You wouldn't even be able to see that. The ensuing acclaim put him front and center with casting agents and newfound fans alike, with Rockwell himself acknowledging that the that quote the film was definitely a turning point. It was sort of put me on some independent film map after ten years in New York. Uh, he also won strong reviews in 1997 for Lawn Dogs, where he played a working class lawnmower. Who befriends a wealthy 10-year-old girl, Misha Barton, who, who knew she did anything besides right. the OC. I literally did not know that uh, she was not just... Is Was she on the OC? Was that a good guess? Yes, that, oh, good, that, that good. is what she is mostly known for, I would say. Um, in an upper-class gated community in Kentucky, Rockwell's performance won him Best Actor honors at both the Montreal World Film Festival and the Catalan International Film Festival. In 1999, he played William Wild Bill Wharton in Stephen King's prison drama The Green Mile, at the time of the film shooting, Rockwell explained why he was attracted to playing such unlikable characters. He said, quote, 
I like that. I like the dark stuff. I think heroes should be flawed. There's a bit of self-loathing in there and a bit of anger. But after this, I've really got to play some lawyers or a British aristocrat, or they'll put a label on me. Yeah, I, I love that he said that. Uh, his career went on from there. He he was in. He has a small role. It's not a small role, but it's a. It's like the role nobody really thinks about in Galaxy Quest. He's really great in Galaxy Quest. Uh, he's in Midsummer's Night's Dream. Uh, he plays the villain in Charlie's Angels. So Spoil- good. Spoiler, sorry. So good. Uh, and uh, his biggest leading role to date, I guess to date, sort of. No, I, I don't. I, it isn't. It isn't because it's his biggest film. I feel like is um, uh, 2002's Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, right? Directed by George Clooney, in which he plays Chuck Barris, who was the uh, host of the Gong Show, but also claimed to be an assassin for the CIA. Right. Um, is that George Clooney's first movie he made? I feel like it is. I right? think it might be. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. But uh. It's definitely up there amongst the first, because it is prior to Good Night and Good Luck, and that's yeah. the one that won him all the accolades. Because um, I don't think he's made many movies. No. As a director. No, he's made seven or six, because he has a new one out. Um, he, he like, after that, like, literally, career, and, yeah. career explosion, he's in Matchstick Men for Ridley Scott, which is crazy, because I was under the impression that Ridley Scott hadn't made a movie since the early 90s, <laughs> and then I remembered that Ridley Scott hasn't made a good movie right, since right, the early right, 90s. Right. Sick burn, Gavin. You're a hater. Take, take that, Ridley. I hope you hear it. Didn't he just make that Prometheus? Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. I said my piece. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, he then uh, played Zaphod uh, Beeblebrox in the 2005 film version of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So fun. Um, he ends up playing Casey Affleck's brother, uh, it, Charlie Ford, in the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Uh, in which is, is an independent film all about the, the death of um, Jesse James, and it's, it's a really good movie, but it's also about a billion years long. Um, <laughs> oh, is that all? Yeah, he's uh, he's in the second uh, Iron Man movie, and just on and on from there, he does Moon, which is a big, huge independent film. Um, he does the Chuck Palahniuk uh, adaptation, Choke. Choke. Uh, and since then, he just, he literally just keeps working and working and working. Right. He does anything that comes his way. He, uh, does TV. He did uh, Mark McDonough's previous film, Seven Psychopaths. He also did, uh, the Nat Faxon and Jim Rash film, The Way Way Back, uh, which people thought he was gonna get nominated for Academy Award for, and then that ne- never materialized. Um, in two- 2015, he did the remake of Poltergeist. And yeah, and now. He's it, everywhere. He's just everywhere. I mean, I've done stuff for money and I've regretted it. And, uh, I mean, the stuff that I really regret turning down is usually, it's not a film. It's a, it's a, it's usually, although I did turn down The Incredibles, the cartoon, and I regret that. Um, you regret it because it was successful? Really, uh, because or they did it well. successful, but also it was really good. Yeah. May I take a guess that you were going to be the Jason Lee role? I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> but, uh, you're allowed to ask but, uh, and he's allowed, allowed to, to not answer that's okay but, um, you can tell me later but yeah. I regretted not doing that and then uh, usually I regret like not doing like a play in Ireland or something you know like an, having an experience like a pillow man is something I regret not doing you know like um, but um, I usually haven't regretted like you said like a, like a film thing it's kind of like eh. yeah yeah and as you mentioned before he has a new film out which is why we did this and, right uh, it's weird because I I remember I was watching one of those like Academy Roundtable things, yeah. and it was for women, and they had asked someone I can't remember who it was. They were like, "What if you could have like? Is are there any careers that you really admire?" And uh, this actress was just like Sam Rockwell. Really? I would, yeah, it's like, he's, he's able to do so many different things. He works on like a couple different levels. He is just kind of like laid back 
every uncle character, you know, like it's just kind of like, you know, like from the way, way back or yeah. um, like even lawn dogs and stuff. It's just like very kind of like easy breezy stuff or it's like insane, like super um, balls to the wall type of stuff for like confessions of a, just a dangerous mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or even like nonsensical things like the sitter. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Um, and like, he's, he's clearly a very loyal actor. Uh, he's worked with multiple directors yeah. over the, the, the course of the years. He's worked, uh, with, um, I suddenly forgot that David Gordon Green, who did the sitter as well as snow angels, which is another film he did with him. And, uh, the guy that directed, uh, Napoleon Dynamite. He's, right. done, he's done two films with him. Uh, he even did an episode of the Napoleon Dynamite cartoon. Right. And uh, he's doing, he's, a, there's a rumor that he's cameoing in Duncan Jones's next film, Mute, for Netflix hmm. as the character he played in Moon. Oh, no shit. So, like, yeah. That's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Um, also, I have to, have to note, um, a Sam Rockwell movie is not good unless there is Sam Rockwell dancing. Dancing! The man loves to dance and he's good he's at it. He's so fucking good! And it's so funny because there's even movies where like, uh, the aforementioned Lawn Dogs where like he's dancing silly? Yeah. Like, like, yeah. like, oh, like I can't dance? But and he's still like on rhythm. He just, <laughs> like, he just exudes like charisma and charm. Is it yeah. true that Sam has it in his contract that he has to do at least one dance move per movie, <laughs> even if it's just in the end credits? Or does, if they don't agree, is it a deal breaker? It is a deal breaker. It's it's uh yeah, it's a little homage to Chris Walken, but it's also yeah. My girlfriend's giving me a hard time about that. She's like again with the dancing in the movie. Come on. Why are you not allowed to have fun? Well, you know, it's getting a little repetitive. It's getting a little redundant. So uh, you need new moves. I need new moves. Maybe that's all it is. I need some new moves. Yeah. Good or bad? I mean, the there's a film called Mr. Right, written by Max Landis. <laughs> right. Um, that that starts with him dancing. Yeah, like, it's, it's so just, good. It's just you need Sam Rockwell to dance. Uh, I will also admit, uh, ladies, he's unfortunately taken. Yeah. He's had the same girlfriend, Leslie Bibbs, since Amazing. 2007. I am a huge Leslie Bibbs fan. I love fan. that. I know that's, I know that's I like, like a weird... Uh, Leslie Bibb starred on the only good Ryan Murphy written thing. Correct. Popular. Popular. Uh, uh, <laughs> but, uh. My goodness. What a great show. Yes. But any, anyway, I digress. <laughs> I like the fact that they're together. Yeah. Like, I like, uh, they were, I mean, they've done a lot of movies together as well. They did Digging for Fire. They're in Iron Man 2 together. Oh, right. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So I, I don't know. I really enjoy that they're, you know, and she's commented on their relationship and like, they just seem like they have a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. Um, what, what's also really, interesting about going back and watching earlier Sam Rockwell's career is how fearless he is. Um, I'm, I'm going to mention this, but towards the end of this rant, but like he took roles that I think other young working actors, um, might take to try and stand out. And he doesn't do, um, he doesn't like try and steal the scene. He's not like a scenery chewer. No, not at all. Um, but I'm thinking of this movie called in the soup that he did. Um, Hmm. Where he's, he's in like two or three scenes, in fact, and he as, uh, plays a 20 year old with autism who's like, like very severe autism. Um, and he's amazing in these like two scenes and he really sticks with you, but he's not doing any, like, it's not like a, like a really affected performance right. or anything. It's just like he, this autistic person. Right. It's, I mean, I think he's really great. Also, as I mentioned before, I was going to mention at the end of his rant, 
totally not afraid to be nude. Oh so my god, yeah, yeah, he yeah. He is full frontal in a lot of his independent films. That's great. It's not a bad thing. It's really great. Yeah, it's really, like, uh, uh, we both watch Lawn Dogs. Get yourself and, to see some Lawn Dogs. Yeah. Because he's, he's like an ex-high school diver. Yeah. And, and it's funny because when I saw that scene, I was like, oh, okay, and it's not gratuitous, but it's but it's enough. Mm-hmm. And then I watched the movie um, a box, box of Moonlight, and... Uh, and he also does a lot of nude diving in that. And I was just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I am seeing a lot of Sam Rockwell's Rockwell. So. <laughs> that was stupid, but I liked it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, also, like, he also plays, like, sometimes very angry people. Yes. Like, and, like, he very much gets inside the head of, like, uh, did you watch Conviction? Uh, no, I did not. Yeah, yeah. But him and Hilary Swank, which. It's a kind of like a very uh, Oscar Beatty movie, but I like Hilary Swank, and he's also very good in it. Um, and. Again, dancing, um, guys who like maybe have fallen on hard times, but you like, but he's likable. He's able yeah. to paint pictures or like, um, give layers to characters who maybe would be, um, really unlikable or uh, scary perhaps. Um, also, uh, one shot, uh, yeah, which I did not like, um, mostly because it sounded like everyone was really, really leaning into their southern accents. I was like, what the yeah. fuck is anyone he, saying? He plays southern a lot, which is interesting, because as we yeah. mentioned, his background is both California and New York. It's not southern. But yeah, there's, he, he does southern a lot. something about the way he purses his mouth when he talks that I think people cast him as southern. I know, yeah. I know that doesn't necessarily when, make when you sense. Look at him, like, when you look at him, you see, like, I, I, I would look at him and be like, oh, he definitely looks like he could be from Kentucky. Yeah, like, you he's know, got a little good old boy appeal. Very to him. like, yeah. uh, like I mean, he's got a very baby face. And I listened to an interview uh, that he gave to like uh, NPR, or maybe it was like somewhere in Canada. I don't know what it was, um, but he said, "Yeah, now that he's kind of um, older, now his baby face has kind of like started to go away." And he said, "I'm really, I'm yes. really excited to like be able to play um, uh, characters that aren't so, you know, uh, young because um, he's read young for so long. I mean, even in Mister Wright." He's paired up with Anna Kendrick, who I don't know exactly what the age difference is, but it felt a little bit like, yeah, why? I think they both have like that same energy, like youthful, like um, the movie. It's is... funny in the same year they they play not a couple, but they're in the movie digging for fire together, oh, and I was okay. like really weirded out by. I mean, once again, it's not anything to do with that, but I was like, oh, that's so odd. Yeah, Mr. Wright was. Fine, I guess. That's, I mean, we should maybe move into our picks, but just real quick. Uh, also, uh, according to, you know, accounts of his personal life, just bringing it back to uh, his relationship, um, he's never been married, mm-hmm. and he says he's perhaps not even interested in um, wow. ever having children. Wow. Like, he was quoted as saying, uh, I quote, I definitely don't want to become a parent. It's not my bag. Wow. So, yeah. That's so, interesting. So, good for him to, like, I mean, it's fun, stick. like, all those interviews, I've, I've, I've seen a couple of things where he's, like, talking about going to Sundance and, like, having a bunch of fun. And someone had asked him, what are, like, the survivor things that you need to go to Sundance? And he said, um, like, something about, like, alcohol and condoms. Assless chaps. And assless chaps, yeah. 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 And, like, and, and, when he, and he he becomes, like, very, like, shy. He's like, oh, I said that? I don't know. Like, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, well, you know, I, I, I could give, I could probably give people tips on how to survive Sundance because I've been here like five times, maybe mm-hmm. six times. I don't know. I think it's needed. Yeah. I really think I could tell needed. you seriously yeah. what you need to do, but... But, You're the only um, guy who didn't say skis. You I do know? think you I mean, should bring condoms, didn't though. I think condoms is probably a good idea. <laughs> I have a girlfriend. I don't need condoms, but <laughs> you know, you know, it's probably a good idea if you're down here and you're single. And I would definitely bring uh, a lot of water and hydrate, a lot of hydration. The altitude is very dry up here. Mm-hmm. 
I would go to bed as early as you can. I know t- people are tempted to go to these parties. They want to drink a lot. You're against that. No, that's okay. Yeah. You can have fun, but like, you know, moderation, you know, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. You know what I mean? What are the chaps for? And the cowboy the chaps hat, is just really of just, which you're actually wearing. Today. Just to feel good. Mm-hmm. Just It makes you feel good and you look good. I think a good pair of assless chaps can really make you <laughs> sing in the snow. You know and it's I mean? okay then to stay in the room when that happens. Yeah. I think it's fine. As yeah. long as you feel good, it doesn't matter really how you look. But I think people look fabulous in that. So. He's definitely that like, guy friend who you can like kind of always like count on or like, you know, to crack a joke, have fun. Uh, he seems immensely charming. And uh, it's really great fun seeing movies like the comedies that he's in really leaning into that and it's even more exciting seeing dramas where he's able to like kind of inhabit these really uh harder characters where it's not so just like laid back yeah uh so i think it's time we moved into our picks yeah and because i really like sam I, we're on first name basis <laughs> i hate him um, the worst. and i figured it sounds like you do too maybe we should get our our one star reviews out of the way okay sure and then do our five star reviews just because he seems like too nice to like right. shit on on the way right out. right right my one star review goes to gentleman broncos oh my god <laughs> go on because i have to change my plans but go on i just had like uh, so gentleman broncos is a movie that came out in uh 2009 uh, done by the Napoleon Dynamite characters, uh, Jared Hess. Yes. Um, and it's like their, tra- I, the trailer for it is like a movie, uh, that has like another point, like a point of view, like a different point of view. And I was like, okay, so they're really going to try hard to like sell this as like a Napoleon Dynamite, like weird, uh, quirky, a left of field movie. Um, and he isn't the star of this movie. The star of this movie is Michael and uh, I can't say his last name. Um, he, uh, Jack's son in Will and Grace. Yes, there that's, you go. That's my reference point because I'm <laughs> gay. Uh, what? I know, shocking. Um, and you're here at first coming out <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> um, essentially he's a teen. His mom is Jennifer Coolidge. Um, and he's a teen who writes fantasy sci-fi, um, novels. He goes to a conference, um, to see like his hero talk. Uh, turns out his hero is a hack. And his hero essentially steals his right. uh, novel, changes like some names, and uh, is you know selling a buttload of books. Um, Sam Rockwell plays the title character Bronco in uh, this novel, and so like the movie like splits off. Like sometimes like someone will be reading the story, and then you get like actual scenes of the actual book. Um, and Sam Rockwell has to like. I don't know. He's like he has to play both versions of Bronco. In in one, it's Bronco. In, in, in Bronco, it's in Michael Oregano's or Oregano's Oregano Oregano Oregano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tastes like soap in the mouth. Um, <laughs> the uh, it's him or it's Jermaine Clements who plays his uh uh hero, the guy that's right, 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 yeah, yeah. It's in his version. It's Bron- Brutus or Bruticius or something crazy. Well, yeah. in that version, he's playing a. I'm gonna say gender fluid. Um, I just think it's offensive. I just think I think that what he's doing is offensive. I don't like, think it's offensive. I think the way that the movie handled it, like, yeah. I mean, there's a scene where the, Michael's character is like, "It's my character. It's my book. You just made him into," and he says the T word um, for uh, transgendered. Yeah. And I was like, the character essentially he puts on like a wig. He has a mustache. I made us a time capsule. 
I put a buttload of keepsakes in it. We can send it floating downstream. And that way, if we die, future generations will learn from us. Look at this. It's a friendship stone. Come closer. Let's blow on it. You blow first. <laughs> he's very lispy and swishy. Yeah, and he's I, very he's as fey as you can possibly get. Right. As as like a like it feels it feels like a person making fun of uh, right i mean it's it's uh, i i guess they're making a joke yeah i part of me was like i would definitely see you know sam rockwell play a transgender gender fluid character yeah um because i was like okay because he could pull it off but this was not this was but the joke was just like oh i changed the character and yeah the joke the joke was like he changed the character into someone fey and like that's that not acceptable yeah i mean and napoleon dynamite i I remember enjoying when it came out and i and this is no napoleon dynamite this is just like the jokes are very blah who's that guy from who wrote school of rock he's in this movie mike white mike white he produced this he produced it as well yeah i I know i mean just reading this 10 million dollars was what this movie was made on someone give 10 minutes there's like scenes where like he throws up he projectile vomits to make a deer run away like yeah. a, a missile deer it's very bizarre and not it's interesting because we sort of talked about this a little bit when we talked about um uh uh diego luna when we talked about uh casa de mi padre yeah yeah, uh, yeah. there's this very like there seems to be this younger filmmaker style that's very reverent of the like really shoddily made science fiction films of the totally. 70s yeah i get that and not even just science fiction but like the the like nighttime um uh uh miniseries sort of uh, but the the thing is is when the napoleon dynamite people do it it's not done as parody yeah. And I, I guess, like, to, to the, like, extreme of that, you have somebody like Wes Anderson who, like, takes those aesthetics right. but, like, really plays with them in a way that's much more cinematic. And, like, he's he's really more of a Hal Ashby sort of guy where this is more, like, like being poorly made for the sake of being poorly made. Yeah. And, like, the artifice becomes part of the what you're experiencing as a viewer, but it doesn't fully work because it doesn't... It's it's neither played for laughs nor played for seriousness. No, and um, I... I mean, there is, like, one moment in that movie that I think works, and it's at the end when the mom... It's revealed that the mom yeah. has the copyright for all his books because she believed in him or whatever. Right. And I was like, oh, that's a sweet moment. But, like, literally everything else, there's... The joke's aren't there they really land. And no there's like one um native american or hispanic character who has this crazy like oh i read him as latin but yeah stretched out face and like that's the joke that like, he talks crazy and has his mouth like yeah. wide open like and this... like he wants to pl- like he's making a film version of it and he wants to play the lead right. woman and that's sort of played as like a negative right. joke it's all this like very not i mean whereas napoleon dynamite there are actually like some things that are like I get it. I understand the aesthetic right. that they're going for. Um, the music was good. Uh, and, and this though was just like full on too much. And I, and I appreciate movies that like are balls to the wall crazy. This was yeah. like lazy. I, uh, 
Well, since since you picked that, uh, I mean, that would have been my choice. I'll be perfectly honest, but I'm going to piggyback off that because I'm staying with the same director. Mm. There's a 2015 film called Don Verdane, okay. uh, which he did. I him. didn't watch that one. Okay. it was. Uh, I was like, it, should I watch Don Verdane or Gentleman Broncos? <laughs> it's, uh, it's still Sam Rockwell. This time he is the main character. Jermaine Clement is still involved with the cast, and the rest of the cast is Amy Ryan, Will Forte, and Danny McBride. And it's essentially a film about uh, uh, archaeo- a religious archaeologist Don Verdane, who like got famous for discovering something ten years ago, and now hasn't had any big discoveries, so he starts faking his discoveries. Like he finds uh, the skull of Goliath at one point, and then like he he wants to track down the Holy Grail. And um, I, like part of the thing is that that we do is we're not necessarily here to. I mean, we can tell you a film is bad, but we're not necessarily like this episode's about Sam Rockwell, right? So like as bad as Gentleman Broncos was. There also has to be a component that Sam Rockwell's performance was perhaps not up to par. And, like, I really like him, and I think he can do anything. But in this movie, this is a bad movie in general. But also, he's playing this monotone-type character, and Mm. everything is delivered. And one of the things that's great about Sam Rockwell is how charming he is. Yeah. And I really think if you remove that from him, he's at, like, 20% power. Yeah. And so it's hard to watch him in this He's just, like, not effective. He's just not effective. He's super boring. Everybody else is incredibly over the top. You sick, sick man, Don. Easy now, Boaz. Let's let's talk about this, all right? No, there's nothing to talk about. You're a grave robbing creep. Dismembering the head of Johnny Jerusalem? Johnny Jerusalem is a hero here. Listen to me now, Boaz. I was always going to put him back. Give him the proper hero's burial. But you need to understand why I had to do this. I, 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 I'm doing it for the good of everyone. I should report you to the authorities right now. Now, let's not be rash here. <laughs> I'm sure there's something we can work out between us. You're trying to pipe me down? I don't want your filthy look on. What, what, what do you want? I want to come to the States. I want to live the American dream for a while. And get a Pontiac. And I want Levi's jeans, acid wash, super taper, like John Stamos. I just want to talk a bit about Jared Hess's style, because you mentioned Napoleon Dynamite. I remember seeing Napoleon Dynamite years ago after it was a phenomenon. I didn't see it in the theaters. And and I was like, yeah, it's okay. I've seen a lot of indie films that are like this. but And I think now, after having watched at least three or four of this guy's films... I think what it, what I don't understand about the the things that he writes and the things that he's interested in is he's really interested in the character arc of characters who are losers to begin with and still wind up being losers. And like I know without as you mentioned without that scene at the end of Gentleman Broncos in which you find out yeah. his mother has been um like on the sly supporting him yeah, and like but that's like an external cause. Like, Michael Oregano's, or however you say his name, his character's still kind of a loser. Right. And Don Verdane is a film filled with losers, and their character arc is they're, they're losers until an external thing sort of happens. So I'll spoil this for you. Like, he falls in love with Amy Ryan. She's like a, a per, an assistant who works for him, and then when she finds he's faking things, she's like, I hate him. Um, but over the course of the film, you find out she has an adult son who's in prison. And in the end, he gets caught and goes to prison. And the very last scene is him seeing her son in prison at, like, the the food 
like the cafeteria area and going to go sit with him and being like, I know your mom. And like, that's like the big character. But like his character's still like a terrible person. And like, I don't, I don't have to find a person not terrible to like a movie. There's plenty of movies. I think they're really fascinating, terrible people. Right. But there's not a lot of draw to the things that Jared had, like Napoleon dynamite in Napoleon dynamites, not really a great person. His no. brother's not really a great person. No. I mean, like, I think in Napoleon Dynamite, it was like a lightning in a bottle situation though, because yeah. like that character itself and the actor and it all came to, and it was new. So like, it felt like I don't, I, these characters in Gentleman Broncos, I was like, none of these characters are terribly exciting right. or like engaging. Or as opposed to like seeing Napoleon Dynamite, it's like, Tina, eat the food. Like, right. that, that was fucking funny. Like, right. you know. But, but yeah, it's like the, the arc seems to be missing from his films, like the, the hero's journey. And I'm not saying that every film has to have a hero's journey, but like the hero's journey is from like nowhere to nowhere. Right. And it's this peak inside these incredibly mundane people's lives and they try and fill the, the mundaneness with these jokes. And well, it's like, and if they don't hit, then you're left with nothing. Well, it's like mundane people, but they, that have like very, uh, like the eccentric, like they're eccentric, right. like in very like, I don't know, stifled ways or it's like, oh, she's eccentric because she has a side ponytail or right. they're eccentric because like, well, even just like the, the, in Gentleman Broncos, there's a scene where like he, he's getting shot at and like in his revenge is like, he takes some blow darts and dips them in poop. Right. And then shoots them at the guy. And it's the weirdest, like, why? I don't, it just, it's, <laughs> not, a jo- it's not a joke. Yeah. No, like there's nothing. Yeah. A lot of it is just like, and, so this is not a joke. This is just like weird. And so I, I just think like maybe Jared Hess. You don't I, think I, he can I, like direct a movie at all. Yeah. I, I, well, I, it's not necessarily, I don't think he can direct a movie at all, but I just, I don't think he's very good with actors. And I don't, I definitely think he doesn't understand the things that make Sam Rockwell appealing because like even, even in Gentleman Broncos, the situation in which he's playing the very butch, like, like over the top version of Bronco, he like it's still not clicking fully. It's no. not like it's such a parody of of a thing. Especially since we've seen him play kind of like space cowboy right. in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, right. where it's like really fun and engaging. And, and then, like or like because even like the little bit of sleaze that he has, it, yeah. like you you've seen that in you've seen he can do that in um uh, Galaxy Quest because he's a little like <laughs> a little like gr- greedy greasy sort yeah, of yeah yeah but the but yeah, even that doesn't, it's just all so flat in one note. And I wonder if that's, he like felt that and therefore made him like such a, um, monotone presence in Don Verdane, but that's definitely the route you don't want to go. Wow. It seems like we both were like, these Napoleon Dynamite movies. Yeah. Definite low point for Sam Rock. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, and once again, I mentioned, you know, he's very loyal. He's clearly very loyal, but right. maybe stop working with Jared Hess. Were there other movies that you did not like? Uh, there were a couple. I didn't. I'll be honest, I didn't love Box of Moonlight. I know that was his first pick. He's really great in it, once again. And uh, I'm not here to really judge the, the movies right. as a whole, but I can tell you, like, movies I didn't like. Yeah, Box of Moonlight's not great. It's a very 90s uh, independent film. And I saw a couple of his other 90s independent films, like I said, In the Soup or uh, Lawn Dogs. And, like, those are great, but this just didn't... This misses the mark, like, every time. Every time it gets a chance to, like, hit the mark, it's... It's just this very simple story and this very, like, uh, it's just a not great film. Though, if you want to see his peen. There you go. Yeah. Um, the winning season was maybe before I saw, uh, Gentleman Broncos was, or that or one shot. Um, the winning season is, 
you can tell the person who made this like loved this story and tried to make this like a, a, a thing. Yeah. But it's just so fucking all over the place. Um, Margot Martindale's in this movie. Oh. Um, character actress Margot Martindale? Yes, correct. Uh, who Rooney Mara's in this movie also as like oh, a really? teen. It's a weird, weird movie just about like, it's not that weird. It's just like a really shittily made movie yeah um, but um anyway uh the remake of poltergeist is particularly bad uh not mm. because of anything that i mean it's just it's pointless and like he it's one of those movies where he's sort of cast as an everyman and i will admit like he's just not as compelling when you have when you're able to compare directly to you know he's no craig t nelson and that's right. a weird statement i never thought i'd be making but craig <laughs> t nelson is such a presence in the original poltergeist you're no craig t- <laughs> um that he's yeah, it's he's not great, and also Mr. Right is a really fucking bad movie, and I know you think it's think it's an all right movie, but he's really good and charming, and uh, um, uh, he sells um, it. Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick's really good and charming, but oh my god, what a stupid fucking movie! I'm surprised. Max Landis. I'm surprised that wasn't your pick. I thought that was gonna be your. No, he's not bad in it. He's not right. bad in it. He's fine. He dances. He dances like... a lot. I mean, I think. Max Landis movies are interesting just in the fact that like he uh, interesting is not what I'd call him <laughs> just that like he is like it's almost like the the twiest Zoe Deschanel of movies yeah where it's just like every moment is just that like that fucking scene where her roommates like said something that she's like blah 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 and she responds with I always wanted to date Lex Luthor why do you think he's evil what if he is you know when I was little I had this fantasy that I was dating Lex Luthor from Superman wasn't he like a genius your eyes more like a sexy rain man or something. Thank you. Neither of you know who Lex Luthor is. It, I don't believe you. <laughs> it's like a, it's a, I don't know. It's a very bizarre, like, I mean, I guess that's kind of his thing. Yeah. Like, kind of like, oh, what would happen if you're dating like a serial killer or whatever the yeah. fuck, a, assassin? Um, I thought it was fun enough. Like, for a Max Linus movie, it's like you, if you're going to watch a Max Linus movie, yeah. you know what you're going to get. You know it's going to be, like, bonkers. And it's and probably like, the least offensive of... I mean, the women are not treated that terribly in that film. Right. <laughs> but also, there is, like, a scene where they're, like... She, he's, like, teaching her how to, like... The energy and the waves. Oh, yeah. Because like, he's actually, like, secretly a superhero, and so is she. Right, but, like, right, right, right. And and she's like, oh, yeah, now I can, like, throw fucking Yeah, I can knives catch knives and, and... I was like, okay, <sighs> cool. Ugh. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, I'm, there's there's been other films that are not great that he's. I mean, Iron Man two is uh, like the messiest of all Iron Man movies, but he's really fun in it. Right. Um, Seven Psychopaths, I actually think, is a bit of a misstep for Martin McDonough, but he's good in it. Like, yeah, like these are directors and people that really know how well he plays. He's really good in Laggies, and Laggies is a yeah. pretty normal role. Yeah, and like like I said, so Laggies uh, is kind of in that like uh, laid back version, this cool guy, yeah, norm core self. But I guess that would bring us to our five-star reviews. I have loved this movie for a long time, and I watched it again, and I was like, yep, I fucking love this movie. Um, and my pick is The Way Way Back. Um, and he's he's not, like, doing a lot in this movie. It's not, you know, as intense as Conventions of a Dangerous Mind or uh, one of the movies where he's really inhabiting intense characters this is truly him his easiest breeziest role and he's so good in it i don't love i'll admit i'll be the first to admit i don't love the way way back but i love him in the way way back i saw this movie by myself when i was living in san francisco and i was just like uh so the way way back is about um a 14 year old named duncan and he's going on summer vacation with his mom played by um tony collette who's amazing yeah um 
and they're going to uh, uh it's like uh, it's like a summer vacation town yeah it's like a vacation house next yeah to a, and a water they're, park. they're going with her boyfriend who's played by steve carell and he steve carell playing the skeeziest fucking He's like really monster good too, yeah um there's, there's just something about the script that doesn't fully connect with me but like the but i like a lot of the components of it yeah and so allison janney plays a next door neighbor um, who's great. My Rudolph is also in this movie. Just like a really strong cast. Um, it was directed in, uh, by Nat Faxon and Jim Rash. Jim Rash, who you might know from Community. Um, and he's also in this movie. Um, and so essentially Duncan hates his fucking, uh, mom's boyfriend who literally at the opening of this movie is literally saying, if you could rate yourself, what would you rate yourself? On a scale of one to 10, what would you rate yourself? And I went on a, it wasn't a date. I was like out with some friends. Uh, in the Castro once, and like an older guy was just like he asked me the same thing once. What, what would you rate yourself? Terrifying. And I was like, I don't think we should like you know number human beings. They're like how good they are. And he's like, well, you could be an eight if you smiled more. <gasps> fuck yeah. him. Yeah. What? I was like, fuck you. I'm a ten always. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, you're like I don't want to put a number on it, but it's over ten. R- Thank right. you. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> um, so Duncan goes on this summer vacation and he's having a really horrible time. Um, and there's like a bunch of crazy characters until he uh and he and he hates uh Steve Carell's character. He um stumbles upon like a water park. Uh, I think it's called w- Wiz World. Yeah. Um, and Owen, which is uh Sam Rockwell, is the manager there, and Maya Rudolph is kind of like the second in command there. And he ends up getting a job, and he, he essentially is... Their chemistry, by the way. My Rudolph and Sam Rockwell's chemistry is amazing. Yeah. Oh, my God. So yeah. good. And it's, just, again, so easy. Both those yeah. people who are so funny, and they're funny in this movie, but also in a very laid-back way. And essentially, this um, water park becomes an oasis, an escape for him, um, and he finds a male um, figure in his life that is positive and is um, uplifting him and not, like, belittling him. And he essentially... Uh, is he and he's hiding that he has this job um yeah and there's and there's a really great moment in the movie when um he's showing him around the water park and he's like doing all these bits and gags it's- water whiz water park built in the summer of 83 is the last bastion of everything that time period stood for in fact it was decreed by its creator that this place shall never age <laughs> on his deathbed he said i don't want this place repented or updated i don't even want it brought up to code the minute someone tries it needs to be destroyed i actually have a nuclear bomb for just such an occasion bought it off the russians really you still good with all that? Even the Russian thing? That's Cold War. It's kind of dated. All right, thanks. That was wasted a bit. Hey. Hey. Some kid threw up near Crazy Tube. What? Why is this the first I'm hearing of this? Damn it, woman. Caitlin Duncan. Tony Mary Beth. Hi, Duncan. Also, I need you to reorder more mats. Did it. Finish the work schedule for next week. Did it. Change all the filters. Done. Right. So you know I'm going to check all that stuff, right? Oh, well, in that case, I didn't do any of that. Right, so I'm doing it. It's called delegation, baby. I read about it in the book about it. That's the one you wait for, my man. Oh, yeah. See, she looked back. She likes me. And, and, and Sam Rockwell's like, okay, I'm wasting all this great material on you, kid. You got to keep it up. Like, we got to, like, fast forward these conversations. Uh, and, 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 yeah, and so the movie is just, like, this kind of... Um, I don't know if it's complicated. It's just like... It's not... I mean, it's like... A, it's a coming-of-age tale. Yeah, it's a coming-of-age tale, but also, like, uh, Tony Collette finds out that, you know, Steve Carell's cheating on her, um, and it's only complicated in the way that he... Uh, this kid Duncan really wants him and his mom to be in this together and like you know they don't need Steve Carell and um, her life is okay without him and 
yeah. I mean, yeah, in a way, it's a coming-of-age tale for her as well. Yeah. Like, I mean, even though she's an adult, like, everybody's, like, this is so, like, self-help book of me, but everybody's constantly coming of age, and so, yeah. Yeah, she's trying to, like, recreate this life for her and her son, and, um, you know, we find out that... His real dad, who he's hoping, you know, like, I just want to be with dad. And turns out the dad doesn't really want him and has moved on in his life. And uh, it, so, yeah, I love this movie a lot. I don't know. I, I For me, I felt very emotionally uh, moved by it. And I think Sam Rockwell is a big part of it. Uh, just kind of like when he finally does stand up to Steve Carell. Uh, and like you said, the chemistry with Maya Rudolph. It's a really sweet movie. And um, he, yeah, it's kind of like, for me, it's like the purest essence of Sam Rockwell. And of course... You get him dancing, um, and it's great. The uh, I'm glad you picked that because that is a really solid perform. I mean, it's a really amazing performance. Yeah, and so. it's just, and it's like we were saying, it's not like showy or over the top. It's right. very soft, but like funny. Uh, and it, it, I don't know. He, he, this is the best um, I think example of him playing like a good um, father figure, dad character. Who, uh, and he's said in uh, uh, interviews when he was promoting this movie that he had a lot of these characters as a kid growing up. Um, they're, they're just like men that you meet in your life that um, genuinely are helpful and give you advice to like live a better life. So, yeah, yeah, way, way back. Uh, so my choice is actually a kind of showy performance, but like, but it's a necessary showy performance. And, uh, it is, uh, in the 2002 film Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, which well. proud of a bunch. And you're right. You are correct. Actually, it is George Clooney's first film. Um, the, he was, first of all, Sam Rockwell is not even the first choice for this film. It was like Johnny Depp and like, Gross. Uh, yeah, Matt, uh, Matt Damon, uh, was involved in the early bits of it, but ended up just cameoing for free. But yeah, that experience was uh, kind of amazing, and really, George really went to bat for me, and I'll never forget that. I mean, you know, they did not want me for that film, you know. Um, but uh, well, they know, want a marketable name. They want a marketable Let's name. Let's be specific that's, that's as exactly to why right. someone a, might not want that's what exactly you right. could bring. It had I met Brian Singer a year before for that movie, and he cast Johnny Depp, I think, and there was Sean Penn, Robert Downey Jr., all these people, Ed Norton. A lot of people were talked about it. Uh, talked about for Chuck Barris and uh but yeah no George really him and Steven Soderbergh is the reason I got that movie Confessions of Dangerous Mind is the quote-unquote true story of Chuck Barris right. uh the host of the gong show but he also created many things he created uh the dating game right and uh so many other weird TV it's like things. ABC game show yeah nonsense he wrote the song Palisade Park and like <laughs> yeah he was a true artiste he really was but he also claimed in one of his autobiographies that he was secretly working for the CIA yeah. as, a, as a hitman. I, sp- I spent a lot of time with Chuck. A lot of time with What him. are you illegally allowed to share with us? I don't know where Chuck is, right? I think he's in Paris or something. Let's just put him in Paris for now. I, I, That's I, where I'd I, like him to be. I miss that guy. I haven't seen him in a while. Um, but yeah, I had uh, George gave me a camera, a video camera. And he said, I want you to go hang out with Chuck and videotape everything. And I, that's what I did. And I, we hung out all the time. And he was really into Les Paul music. Mm-hmm. And that's how I kind of got the movement of his dancing, is I would watch him dance to Les Paul. And I had him tape my lines in a tape recorder, like an old-fashioned cassette, you know, and all this stuff. And ad-lib, I'd say, you know, what would you say? You know, say the Charlie Kaufman stuff, and then say what you'd say. And we kind of, you know, did that whole thing. How and thrilled was he? He loved it, man. He was, you know, he was, he was loving it. Yeah. And, you know, we got into all that stuff. You know, did you kill all these people? And, you know, he said yes. And it was wild, man. I mean, 
Was there ever a time where you were convinced one way or the other 100%? Or do you just automatically you can't help I'm but assume, of course he didn't do this? I'm going to take the fifth. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. Chuck's, for Chuck's uh, sake. <laughs> I'm take the fifth. Well, it's a much better answer, and you know it's a mean? much better story if he and you and George and everyone continue to yeah. take the fifth, yeah, because yeah, the rest yeah. of us are just forced to wonder. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> much better. That's right. Yeah. You know, um, it's the only time the CIA yeah. has ever actively responded to is, has someone been in your organization? Yeah, and right. they said, what did they say, no? They said at the CIA, we are not in the practice of confirming or denying if anyone has ever worked for us, but in Mr. Barris's case, they he, said no. He, he did not. not. Yeah. Of course they're going to say <laughs> that. I had no idea who this person was until I watched this movie. He's, I mean, if you go back and watch Chuck Barris clips, he's got him. Like, he's dead to yeah. rights, Chuck Barris. And, and it's like, wild because this movie is not like your typical biopic, no. like, paint by numbers movie. I, well, one of the things I, I, first of all, I really love the way the film's made. The, so the script was written by Charlie Kaufman, who wrote Being John Malkovich and, uh, um, I, Adaptation. I just kept thinking The Orchid Thief, which is what Adaptation was an adaptation of. And, um, the, uh, it's funny because he actually did, ended up disowning the film because George Clooney came in and made changes to it. Really? Which is funny because it actually feels a lot more like a Charlie Kaufman film than you think it would. I mean, it's a lot of seamless editings. A lot of scenes move from one place to another yeah. without a single cut at all. Um, and also in between, there's interviews yeah. with the real people who are there. You have Mean Mean Dancing Machine, or Mean Gene Dancing Machine, who like, First of all, doesn't like sidebar doesn't have legs anymore because he lost some diabetes. And um, George Clooney wasn't going to film his legs, and he asked him to because he was like, "I want people to know what happens." Right. But like other people that were really involved who have no idea about this other portion of his life that he yeah. claims to have had, um, and you get the impression that like Chuck Barris is uh, perhaps just this is amazing con man um, that like maybe he believed he did these things, but they never actually happened. Or maybe he's just telling them to inflate his own importance, but he's like a genius level intellect wasting his time on sort of frivolous. Wait, so you don't think this happened at all? I don't. And this movie's filled with so many people. I mean, there's uh, Drew Barrymore and Julie Roberts who both worked for Scale. Brad Pitt's in it briefly. Uh, Michael Sarah plays, uh, right. uh, you know, Chuck at a really early age. Maggie uh, Gyllenhaal's in it for like a hot second. Yeah, and the list sort of goes on and on in terms of like other people who are in it. Um, it's a really, really funny, really, really dark, um, super dark, super dark. It's like, it's equally as much of a comedy, like a, a crazed out comedy, um, as it is like a really hard, difficult drama about a man who's sort of falling apart. I gotta confess, something I gotta tell you. Listen, right, Penny. You know me for a long time. As the host of the dating game, yeah, yeah, the yeah. gong show, yeah. rah rah show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> I work, I work for the CIA. Do you understand? And I killed people. I killed a lot. I killed a lot of people. Do you understand? I killed a lot of people. <laughs> Ha 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 
I came up with a new game show idea recently. It's called The Old Game. You got three old guys with loaded guns on stage. They look back at their lives, see who they were, what they accomplished, how close they came to realizing their dreams. The winner is the one who doesn't blow his brains out. He gets a refrigerator. It's, um, it was wild watching it, not knowing anything about like this man and what he was and what yeah. he did. And so watching the interviews, I was like, wait, is this part of like the movie style or like are these? And then it hit me at the very end when they like finally show the actual Chuck Barris. Uh, and I was like, oh, shit, like this guy, like these are actual interviews with real people who are like, you never knew where he was. Right. And like, I don't know the whole bit. Like one of the things to me was like, oh, well, what if we t- take their first dates from the dating game in like Germany yeah. or like random fucking places like that? And, and for me, I was like, this motherfucker worked for the CIA. <laughs> He's really good because the movie kind of like goes all over the place in time. Right. Yeah. It's not like. Uh, yeah, it's not a it's, it's not, not a linear, linear timeline. Right. The movie itself, it's not it's not a linear performance. But you get like a lot of different like so you get a lot of like levels from him. Like you get him like you know going crazy. You get him like ambitious and young and like yeah. Um, it's a really uh complicated performance, I think. And yeah, he he killed it. I still think it's probably the most complicated performance of his career, and it's still really fun and really light. And he has a way of exuding the internal stuff that other people can't put out. Right. But even in the movie, like uh, there are moments when it gets really tense. Like when he gets paranoid about like, they're coming to kill him. And yeah. And so he's on the show dancing and singing, but also at any moment you think this whole production is going down. Yeah. Like he's about to fucking kill someone. Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, yeah, I, I was like, this is, I, I, I never heard the movie before. I didn't know like anything about it. I've loved that movie since college. I remember watching it maybe like 10 or 12 times in college. No fucking way. I listened to the director's commentary, like, and I know, and I feel like I'm not imparting enough of that information here, but I, I highly, I mean, it's a very easily accessible film. Yeah. Uh, it's out there. Go, go find it, go watch it. And you will see truly what an, like, not only is it like really impressive filmmaking, um, in a style that you've not seen George Clooney do since, because, uh, I think one of the problems with George Clooney as a film director is he doesn't really have a a voice. Mm. Um, and each one of his films is different. And I, this was, a really experiment for his first film, a really experimental sort of, and, uh, I, I wish he would go back to that, but also a really nuanced and a very like, I don't know. Sam Rockwell should be really proud of that performance. It's so good. Uh, any other films that you thought? Were- yeah, I'm surprised that I, I th- in my brain, I thought you were going to choose Moon. I love Moon. I because- do love Moon. Um, I love the new version of Moon where they have re- moon? well, they've replaced Kevin Spacey's voice with the voice of Christopher Plummer. Right, so- correct. <laughs> you're right. Topical. Um, I, as I was watching it, like uh, before I started, and you're like, "Fuck you, Gertie. Stay away from him, Gertie." Right. I know. I mean, it, it came on, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" Uh, it. Mostly just hit me like, oh fuck, there are a lot of things that Kevin Spacey is in that I'm going to encounter and yeah. it's kind of fucking ruined. Yeah. Um, because fuck him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Moon is so good. Moon, and it's, and he gets to play various versions of himself. Not, not too much of a spoiler, but like. Yeah. And, and this movie, and it's all him. Literally, all him. there are a couple other people, but uh, like. I believe the Gertie stuff was all, most of it was recorded later too. Yeah. So like, I think I, I, don't I, think... I think I read something that like, uh, 
Kevin Spacey was not going to do it until he like saw the movie done and then like he recorded it in one day all, yeah, yeah. all the stuff. Sam, is everything okay? Yeah. Yeah, we had a fight. Me and the other guy, the other He's very angry, you know? What he did? He flipped my entire model over. You know how much work I put into that thing? 938 hours. 938 hours, yeah, exactly. 938 hours, really? Approximately. He's got a problem. He scares me, Gertie. What is it about Sam that scares you? He flies off the handle. I see it now. I see what Tess was talking about. Moon is directed by... Uh, Duncan Jones. Yeah, who is... Son of David Bowie. Right. And it's his first movie. I've met Duncan Jones. He's very nice. Casual. And that's, I'm, not, I'm not trying to drop names, but like that's one of those ones I'm like, like <laughs> It was so good to meet him. Yeah, um, the movie's so fucking good, and the story is original and exciting, um, and and you really get to see Sam Rockwell play. Yeah. Like, he is... Pl- like there's lots of plot twists and like kind of twists and turns in this movie and I won't spoil it. Uh, but it's really interesting and like it's sci-fi in a way that's not like, uh, unbearable or like, yeah. you know, it's too much. Like this is a very like yeah, middle of the road. A, it's a, it's a movie that's very direct about its world and what its world is. And like, yeah. and yeah, it's, you're not dealing with like every, right. Everything's not jargon. And right. Science oh, it's for and, sure. Yeah. Um, so moon is really great. Uh, what else did we, did we I, I loved lawn dogs. Uh, lawn dogs is one of his independent films early on. It's like a pseudo, like, uh, I'm trying to think of the words, but I'm getting podcast brain at the moment. Um, like urban it, fantasy. It feels like, like kind of like a fair, Fairy tale. Yeah, I mean the movie. The movie essentially follows the tale of Yubaba, the it, witch in yeah, the yeah. woods. Blah blah blah. blah. Um, I like the movie. I think it's very frustrating though. Yeah. Like at the end, I was like, "What?" Well, there's so. I mean, the plot feels really prescient. Where it's like, yeah, yeah, like, for sure. This little girl who's like experiencing these things that perhaps she's not ready for. She she keeps like she keeps essentially running into people fucking. Um, but she like at one point she sees her mother like yeah. g- uh, like that this the got like neighbor teen going down on her mom. Yeah. And then he touches her later in the film, and this is what really frustrated me. Is she tells her parents about him touching her. Yeah. And they're kind of like, well, his dad's really important. She's like, oh, it just tickled. And they're like, oh, why didn't you say that? But then later, like, yeah. she forms this friendship with Sam Rockwell, but he's lower class. Yeah. And he gives her a turtle, and they freak the fuck out, and they're like, a man yeah. doesn't give you anything unless he wants something. Right. And it just, it, it, it killed me so much. Like, right. I was like, this feels so right. Like, this, for this movie, like, what, what I'm, uh, at that moment, uh, in the end, like, it, things do not go well for Sam Rockwell's yeah. character. And as far as, you know, the relationship with this girl, and he, and he knows, you know, and yeah. he, and he's like, we can't, it needs to be very, you know, right. specific. And it's just friends. Like, I the, do yeah. not want to stress this. No, no, no this yeah. Not, like, they, like, what it is is he's one of the only people in her life. She's a girl who's experienced a lot of trauma as well. She's had four open heart surgeries yeah. or something like that. Um, she, he's the, he's the only person that will treat her like a human being yeah. instead of something precious to be. Yeah. Uh, and he, she's the only person that will treat him like a fellow child, essentially. Right. She'll let him, like, cause he's weird and eccentric. People say you're trash. Yeah, I guess they do. I wouldn't like that. Maybe you get used to it. My father says if everyone worked hard, there wouldn't be any poor people. 
You're a poor person, aren't you? He says that anyone who works hard can be rich, just like him. Sounds like you got a smart daddy. Trash is something you put a lid on because it stinks. You don't smell that bad. <laughs> that makes my day. <laughs> I see it. You got people who own lawns and you got people who mow them. And they're never the same people. This movie seemed... I, I, as I was watching the trailer, I was like, what is this movie about and how are they selling this? Because it's not clear yeah. what, what they did. But it, it's interesting enough and uh, Sam Rockwell looks great yeah. in it. So, um, Any other... I liked Conviction a lot. Um, it's a, a Mostly, it's just a fascinating story about a woman who... Uh, her brother was wrongfully accused of murder... And she literally just destroys her entire life to um, exonerate him. She. I remember when it came out. I don't know. I didn't watch it, but uh... she. It's, so Hillary Swank like goes to law school, and she's you know essentially she gets divorced because her husband's like you need to get over this, and she's like no, I'm not going to. And um, yeah, and she just works for years and years and years and years. The 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 sad part of the story is, and it's not part of the movie, but six months later, after he got released, he had an accident and died. Oh my god! After he he fell, like the the, yeah, the guy, yeah. he just like fell and hurt his head, and he passed away. Oh no! Um, so I, I like that movie a lot. I think him and Hillary Swank they play brother and sister, and you don't get to see a lot of movies about brother and sister love. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Um, so I like the movie a lot. Uh, and and um, I guess we just watched the, his new movie. And yes, it's uh, a, do you want to move into the fact? I know it's out, but do you want to move yeah, fast forward in a second? Let's go. Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri yeah. uh, is his new film that's out right now. It's his reteaming of Martin McDonough, which he did Seven Psychopaths, which I mentioned I do not love, but that's fine. Um, and, th- and the movie is, I, I, like I mentioned to you when we yeah. watched it, it's so relentless. Yeah. It's relentless, and like, and they, they do not sell this the way I think the movie actually no. is. It's a lot funnier than you think it will be. Absolutely. Um, it's less revenge than you think it will be. But it's um, Francis McDormand's character is yeah. relentless in her pursuit of you know justice or truth or whatever. Right. If you've not seen the trailers, it's a film about a mother whose daughter was raped and murdered. She decides to put up three billboards because she doesn't think the police are working hard enough to yeah. uh, solve her daughter's murder and uh, uh, the chaos it causes in town. And it's literally just escalation after escalation right. after escalation. And it's and not just... It, and it, it, it truly is about the chaos in town because it's yeah. not about like actually finding the murderer. Right. It's, it's literally how this community is affected by... The outrage of this woman, and you, there's a big subplot with Woody Harrelson. Yeah, yeah, um, which is truly it, it takes over at least like uh, I would say like a fifth of the film. Which when I, I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but when you only have two hours, that's yeah. a the, it's, it suddenly becomes its own little yeah. short film. It does, and it's it's really moving, and engaging. I don't know if we needed it, but yeah. I think it's interesting in the fact that. Like I was mentioning to you earlier, it's, this is not just a, a linear movie about like this woman and her cause to like yeah. find the truth or whatever. It really is. I mean, the, the cat, the supporting cast is very like, right. It's a, there's a lot of supporting cast characters and they're not just there. They right. have things happen to them, um, because of what she is doing. Right. Um, and a lot of, I think a lot of the movie is about, um, what, what is the, the there's a, like the whole eye for the eye thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's a lot of like, you know, and, your and, rage and like letting it out. And this is another example of, of a film that like, I actually don't think there's a ton of like, quote unquote, 
likable characters in the film, mm. but they're real. And yeah. I think that's maybe what I was getting at with the Hess stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, these are real people. They contain multitudes and yeah. you really feel those multitudes. So you feel for these people going through these things because Frances McDormand is nice to no one. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, but she, like you really root for her yeah. a lot of the time because you see, you know, all these different facets of her. Sam Rockwell's character. Very unlikable. Very unlikable. Incredibly unlikable. And yet like he has such a great arc in his movie. Right. What? Don't say what, Dixon, when she comes in calling you a fuckhead, and don't you Shut come up. in here. You get over here. No, you get over here. All right. What? Don't, Dixon. What? I'm. You do not allow a member of the public to call you a fuckhead in this station house. That's what I'm doing. I'm taking care of it in my own way. Actually, now get out of my ass, Mrs. Hayes. Have a seat. What is it I can do for you today? Where's Denise Watson? Denise Watson's in the clank. On what charge? Possession. Of what? Two marijuana cigarettes. Big ones. When's the bail hearing? I asked the judge not to give her bail on account of her previous marijuana violations, and the judge said, sure. You fucking prick. You do not call an officer of law a fucking prick in his own station house, Mrs. Hayes. Or anywhere, actually. Was with a new attitude, Dixon. Your mama been coaching you? No. My mama doesn't do that. And at the end of it, you are, like, rooting for him to, like, learn, grow, change. Yeah. And uh, find common ground with uh, Francis McDormand's character. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like the movie a lot. Uh, it's it's jarring. Yeah. Um, I, I liked the characters a lot more than I liked the movie. I will... I'll be honest. I'm, I'm a little... Uh, I was a little surprised at the the critical reaction to it. Uh, I think it's I think it's a well made film, and I think it's got some really hearty characters in there. Yeah, for and, sure. Uh, I I didn't like at a certain point it escalated to a point where I was just like everyone needs to stop. <laughs> I was like everybody. I mean, everybody like, like just I said, calm down. Like as I'm saying though, it's relentless. <laughs> yeah. Like it just doesn't stop. And there are moments when people were like gasping. Yeah. About you know and gasping from like oh my god what was the part there was a part in the movie where two different people in the audience just went oh my god right oh yeah. my god yeah <laughs> like <laughs> it's. Um, it was, oh, yeah, when Sam Rockwell's character, like, ends up and goes and, like, kind of has violence yeah, yeah. against someone else. And yeah. I, I think all of us were like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, but I just, I had not been in the theater that it had, like, it, like, dominoed that way before. Right. It was like a woman next to us and a woman behind us. Yeah. Like, um, also, I will say, uh, the, one of the great things about doing this episode, the woman sitting next to me at, during one of Sam Rockwell's very first scenes in the film, uh, because he's so good and so charming, she turns to her husband or her boyfriend or whatever, I don't know, her life partner, who cares? <laughs> um, and she's like, I don't know who he is, but he's great. Yeah. And then got to the end credits and she's like, oh, Sam Rockwell. Ding, ding, ding. That's why I like doing this episode. Because, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. like, everyone I've told that we were doing this episode, yeah. they were like, who? And I'm like, trying to find, like, yeah. I was like, I was like, Charlie's Angels, Iron Man, like, Matchstick Men. It's hard to, like, kind of, like, find, like, what he is, quote, known for. Right. But once you see him, you're like, oh, that guy. He's, like, really great. Like, I love him. Um, so uh, I just, real quick, uh, want to talk about some of the things he has, uh, coming up. Yeah. And, um, I'm curious if, uh, about what you think he should do going forward. So, after uh, Three Billboards Outside Emming, Missouri, uh, he has a film called Woman Walks Ahead, in which he plays Colonel Silas Grove. Uh, he has a movie called Blue Iguana. 
that's in post-production now. There's the rumored cameo in Mute, which is in mm. post-production now. Um, then 2018, he has backseat. three things. Yeah, Backseat. Where he's uh, playing, playing George, George W. Bush. Which, I cannot wait. Yeah, I uh, cannot Backseat wait. is a, a film about um, Dick, Dick Cheney. Cheney. Yeah. And uh, so that'll be interesting to see. He also has two other films, uh, Best of Enemies and Blaze, coming out. So he, as we mentioned before... Keep him busy. Yeah, he works. He works and works and works and works. And, uh, you know, I don't want to see him slow down. No, absolutely um, not. What do you think is what do you think is the correct path going forward? I mean, I, he's getting lots of buzz for an Oscar this year yeah. um, once again, and so it'll be interesting I, to see. I'd feel really bad if like the third time around he's gotten like because there was like Moon and the Way Way Back, and like this yeah. time, yeah. like is this his time? To I'm get surprised he wasn't talked about for um, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Yeah, me too. Um, and yeah, maybe. And so what all I've been reading though is that he, so not only is the performance great, but Hollywood seems to love him. Yeah, people like working with him, and so it seems like they would congratulate so, one of their friends. So far, he's not been involved in the scandal. Right, right. Now's the time. Now is the time so, for Sam. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I lo- I love him in comedies. I love. Yeah. I mean, so laggies we didn't talk about a lot, but like he's just kind of like a good guy, and like yeah. you just don't see a lot of like genuine good uh, guy characters that are like smarmy or want something right. as well, and. So I, uh, yeah, I, I want more of that, but I also love when he, like, is able to just go fully insane. Yeah. Like, Hitchhiker's Guide stuff. I'm truly, truly excited for the George W. Bush. Yeah. He plays Southern. That's the one, that's the one I'm really excited for, too. He plays Southern very well. Yeah. And he plays dumb very well. Yeah, yeah. And George Bush is both of those. <laughs> Yeah, that's I I agree with you. I actually don't have I don't in terms of like like analyzing this career and looking at all the things we looked at, I don't have much advice yeah. uh, like in terms of what I think he should do. I think he's doing it. I think he, yeah. I really like no constructive criticism except maybe stop working with that Hess guy. Right. Like keep the, do the weird comedies, do the straight up dramas, do it all, man, yeah. cuz you got the chops. So, I mean like, like I, I want like, maybe more nudity. Maybe more maybe nudity. Bring more that nudity back. if you could. Um, he's really good at being villains, also. Yes. And like we didn't talk about the sitter. The sitter's not a great movie. Oh, but... I didn't watch it. I can't. Uh, you know, it's funny. David Gordon Green, who directed the sitter, used to make movies. He made this really good movie called Snow Angels with Sam Rockwell. And we didn't talk about that either. And I love Snow Angels. Um, genuinely. A, a and then he made the sitter. And then David Gordon Green started hanging out with James Franco. Oh, <laughs> the worst. Uh, yeah. Then you got the pineapple post pineapple express era. David Gordon Green. And right, right, right. Um, yeah, he displays really like Charlie's Angels. Yeah, it's so good. Like he, he has that kind of like James Bondian feel. Yeah, he's a there's a suaveness to him, but it's not a threatening. That's why it's it's actually genuinely, you know. I mean, when you watch Charlie's Angels, I genuinely think that was my first exposure to him. No, like knowing yeah. who he is and knowing right. he's a presence. One of the things that's great about him is there is a, a suaveness about him, but it's not threatening Mm-mm, at all. No. It doesn't come off as creepy. It doesn't come no. off as, but there, like he generates it and then he can twist it if he needs to. He uses his oh. powers for good. Yeah, exactly. So just keep using those powers for good, Sam. I love you, Sam. <laughs> but, uh, that I guess wraps up our Sam Rockwell, uh, conversation. But if you have anything to add to it or you'd like to correct us on anything, yeah. feel free to find us online. We're in lots of places. Absolutely. You can find us on Twitter at, at the mixed reviews we're on facebook at the mixed reviews you can email us at reviewsmix at gmail.com and you can download us like literally everywhere absolutely so if you are on itunes if you're on stitcher on google play music some of our episodes are even up on soundcloud
SoundCloud. And also, if you're an iTunes listener, feel free to rate and review us. Mm -hmm. If you give us a good review or a good rating, it helps other people find us. And we want them to listen to our beautiful voices. Right. Especially because uh, Time Out New York circulation only goes in New York City. (laughs) True. And also, (laughs) you can just like... Rate us as if you're rating Sam Rockwell. Like, absolutely. Pause Lawn Dogs when he's naked and just write (laughs) us a glowing review as you, like, bask in the glory of Sam's naked body. Because Rockwell's Rockwell. Ugh. Enough of that joke. Enough of this. (laughs) So we will be back in two weeks with a new subject, and we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Uh, One, two... Prancing there before you, that's what I said now. Princess, Princess, who adore you, go ahead now. One has diamonds in his pockets, and that's some bread now. This one, he wants to buy you lock.